State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Harvan Gupta, Senior Director of Solutions Engineering at Zonder about identity solutions for publishers. Zonder is a business unit within AT&T that powers a global marketplace for premium advertising. Their data-enabled technology platform, encompassing Zonder Invest and Zonder Monetize, optimizes return on investment for both buyers and sellers. Let's begin. Hi, Harvin. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited about this. We initially scheduled to speak a while back, but yeah, there's been a bit of a pushback and we've had some changes in the in the background as well. Just for everyone listening, we're, we're going to be talking about identity solutions today and, and some of the stuff that Harvin and his team and Xander are doing in general. But before we jump into the nitty gritty of those things, Harvin, I'd love you to just to share a bit of your background. Yeah, sure. So I've worked in ad tech in one way or another my whole career. Um, I started off at a publisher and I was running the ad ops department. Uh, it was a sort of small startup um, and eventually got bought by Amazon and it's basically now Amazon Prime Video. Wow. So after that, I moved to AppNexus, which at that time was a, a startup that's obviously gone through quite a lot of changes since then. Uh, I was one of the uh, first employees in the London office and I started off as an implementation consultant. Today, I, I'm st- Alexander, as it is today, and I run the solutions engineering department. Um, so I've got the a small team, and we act as the technical counterparts to the commercial folks. And basically, I get involved in all of those complicated or strategically important or prospects or things that we've done for the that we're doing for the very first time. So I get to to do all the, the kind of fun stuff, I reckon, and I get to work across all of the product lines that we have. So I've got a good sense of what's going on on the on the buy side with agencies and advertisers, a good breadth of um, different products and different experiences. No, that definitely sounds interesting. So one of the things that's recently popped up in the last week of the time of this recording is actually you know, Google announcing that third-party cookie depreciation is going to be pushed back by another few years. What have you heard sentiments and what, what have you heard in terms of feedback from that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. From my perspective, I think it's a, a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it gives the industry more time to develop solutions. It gives the industry more time to collaborate. It gives buyers a, a period of time where they can actually figure out a lot of the sort of unknowns. And it gives publishers a lot of time to, to think about, you know, what identity solutions they're going to want to work with and what developments they're going to make. The reason why it's a problem is often a deadline is very good at, at concentrating minds. And I feel that the industry was actually moving at, at quite a good pace. And my worry is now is that people might, you know, take their foot off the pedal a little bit and other priorities might come to the fore. And I think that'd be a mistake. I think we need to carry on as normal. I think we really do need to solve this problem. It's an issue outside of just Google as well, right? We need to be aware that other browsers have are ahead of where Google is today. So of course, there's no third party cookie in Safari. So it is a, a problem despite uh, the extension Google's given us. I think as an industry, we do need to crack on um, towards developing solutions to solve this yeah no, definitely just actually the same sentiments as well um, even like from a search point of view like with web vital updates until google enforced those changes as part of their algorithm for example no one really took site speed seriously or page experience seriously so what do you think across the board like 
what would continue to help motivate publishers to stay on that path? Is it the fact that we've already seen some examples of success with first-party solutions that you, you think maybe people will say stay on that path to doing it before the two-year mark or... What are your thoughts? I think in some respects, publishers are playing a bit of a wait and see game. There's lots of different things all happening at the same time. And it's it's quite hard to know where to invest your resources. So let's take uh, identity solutions, for example. I think there's about 50 different identity solutions at play. And if you're a publisher, you can't really work with all of them. Uh, that's just not realistic. So how do you pick the ones you're going to work with? So I think having a a bit of time to kind of dig into this and, and see which identity solutions are going to actually create li- liquid marketplaces um, where there's demand and supply and sort of things like that to pan out. I think that's a good opportunity uh, for publishers and where we should see some movement. The other thing is just different solutions at play, right? So you've got a lot of different types of contextual solutions that are coming to the fore. And I think buyers are starting to do a lot of testing uh, and evaluation of what works for them and what helps them hit their KPIs. You know, I'm, I'm actually seeing some contextual solutions that are able to perform just as well as third-party cookie behavioral targeting. It's about buyers finding those solutions that actually work for them um, and help them get to where they need to be without the need for a cookie. Uh, and, and like I said, look, this is it's still a pressing matter, right? If you're a publisher, you've seen the CPMs and, and the, the volume of sales on Safari absolutely plummet. And if, if you're a publisher in a wealthier country where you know a lot of the users have iPhones, so they're, they're using Safari, this is a huge problem for you. It's a, a real-life problem that exists today. So I think moving forward towards a solution to that, because if you can solve for identity, you can also solve for the problem of serving you know high-value ads on, on, onto the Safari browser uh, and same for firefox right exactly so let's take a step back what a bit of a one-on-one how is identity solutions different from third-party cookies and for publishers out there they don't know much about it what's the process for them to consider that as part of their first party data infrastructure yeah that's a, a good question so let, let me sort of just yeah do a little bit of explaining so the third-party cookie is fantastic if your objective is you want to track people across different domains. That's what makes it powerful, right? That as a, an ad tech platform using a third-party cookie, what we're able to do is build a profile of a user uh, and that profile can be built up across all of the different websites that they visit. But we all know that actually the direction of travel for users and for regulators and for technology, um, such as the browsers, is that doesn't feel that privacy safe. That feels like a, a behavior that we need to, as an industry, move away from and to develop more privacy first uh, ways of working. For me, a, a really good solution to that is first party data. So where first party data differs from third-party data is it doesn't track a user across lots and lots of different websites. And the point is, if you're able to build what I call a superset of data, so by a superset, what I mean is you can see everything the user does across the entirety of the internet and use that to build a profile of them. That's actually, uh, I think, that kind of what user would perceive as being a little bit creepy and the user would perceive as giving up an amount of data that they're not comfortable with. But actually, first-party data is different. So let's take a newspaper, for example. That newspaper then becomes the first party and they're able to track what the user does, what articles they visit, how often they read sports content, whatever it is. They're able to track that in their first-party context, so on that 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 newspaper. But that data stays within that newspaper. And what they can't do is then join that data up to another website. So let's say I visit the newspaper, and then let's say I visit, I don't know, a, a site about my health. Um, no person is able to actually join those two data sets together. So what we have is like lots of little islands of data 
but those data sets can't be joined together. And, and I think for that reason, first party data to me feels like a much more privacy safe uh, way of working. And, and I guess the last thing I'll say on this as well is, you know, I have trusted relationships with the publishers, uh, you know, the, the newspapers that I go to. My newspaper of choice is The Guardian, right? And I go to that because I trust the content that they put out. So I have a, a trusted relationship with them. So I'm okay for them to kind of track my behavior, to show targeted advertising, to ultimately to keep that content for free. Then you've spoken about a lot of the competing technologies out there to do that. So I know Xander announced a couple of months ago about the uh, integrating Unified ID 2.0 with Live Lamp and NetID. What, what's sort of the landscape at the moment and what, how does Xander's integration with those other different uh, infrastructures help develop a better identity infrastructure that publishers in all sizes can use or is it more sort of still, still suited to the large publishers at the moment? Yeah, that, that's a really, really interesting question. And there's definitely a huge divergence in the strategies of large-scaled publishers versus um, medium to long-tail publishers. You know, there's some certain sites that I just never log into, and where there's other sites that I'm, I'm much more likely to log into. So that's going to um, change the, the strategy that a publisher has. And from a, a Zander sort of platform perspective, uh, I can say... What we're doing is taking a multi-pronged approach because on our platform we have huge huge publishers you know the likes of uh so some of the, the largest publishers we have they'll, they'll represent you know a, a large portion of the market 50 percent upwards and then we'll have much more longer tail publishers as well so we need to build solutions that work for both of them what we're doing is taking a, a, a what we're calling a multi-pronged approach and so you mentioned a, a big part of that which is the industry identifiers and we believe that the ones that are kind of looking promising at the moment are UID2. I, I like that approach because it's collaborative. You know, it's part of pre-bid. Uh, it looks set up to get scale. Um, there's LiveRamp, again, uh, scaled, something that buyers are comfortable working with today. And then NetID. So NetID is really interesting. I, I love what those guys are doing unfortunately it's just sort of germany and central europe for now but you know who knows um so identity solutions are a big part of what we're doing another thing that i'm really excited about is we're building out the ability for publishers to pass in their own identifier on the ad request so we talked about publisher first party data we talked about how a publisher has a trusted relationship with the user um publishers also the ones that are able to get consent because they're the ones that are able to to ask your user what are your choices how do you want your data to be used? So publishers are in a really good position. And what we're building out is you know, privacy by design tools that allow a publisher to pass in an identifier based on either a first party cookie that they've dropped or a hash of the email address of the user. But what we're really doing is a lot of backend work that you don't really see, but um, really changing the way the databases are structured so that that data is actually handled in a, a privacy by design way. So what that means is not mapping different identifiers together. Um, because that doesn't feel privacy safe. Um, the other thing I really want to talk about is contextual. So like I said uh, earlier, we're, we're seeing some contextual solutions that are, are kind of able to perform just as well as third-party um, data is. But the beauty of contextual is you just don't need to have the identity conversation. You don't need to have the regulation conversation because we're not using uh, any attributes of the user Instead, we're using attributes of the content that they're consuming. Uh, and if you can figure out a way to do that, 
uh, a way to separate the the kind of the signal from the noise then actually that's a very powerful way of targeting so Xander what we're doing is investing in companies that they can integrate with us uh, in a really easy way and make their data available their contextual data available to the market in a in a seamless fashion just to break it down for example like at the moment, a publisher, they might have a login or not login. The way that you guys are working around that is by if, if a privacy notice comes up and they click on it, then they drop their own first party cookie. And then if they have a login, that's another way of capturing that first party data. And then over time, as the technology improves, contextualized data, like maybe partnering with like an outbrain or something like that, where it shows them more recommended solutions or something. That's accurate. Yeah. So definitely that they can pass an identifier in. I guess another part of this as well is building that model solutions so let's take frequency capping for example at the moment frequency capping works off of a third-party cookie and i think the reality is that there's going to be ad impressions going forward where there is just no identifier that might be because the the browser doesn't allow it it might be because the user hasn't given consent but as a buyer you still want to be able to to frequency cap your campaign so one of the things Zander's doing is building out a probabilistic modeled solution for frequency capping that doesn't rely on an ID, but instead we use kind of all of the other data points that we have um, available in the platform to do a sort of probabilistic uh, frequency cap. And where does ad blocking come into this? And have you seen doing an increase in adoption in ad blocking that's facing an issue for publishers? I don't have specific data that relates to ad blocking Um, but i have seen some data that suggests that you know users are looking for more privacy safe advertising right so i think the argument is that if we can crack this so if users feel safe that their their personal data is being respected they feel like they have choices and those choices are being respected and that the user experience is not damaged by the advertising on the page you know that the that they, they actually enjoy the ads that they receive and they feel part of the the experience of consuming that website, then I don't see the reason why a user would want to have an ad block, you know, versus today where they might feel uncomfortable with how their data is being used and, and that user experience isn't necessarily where it needs to be, then I can see them turn into ad blocks. So I think that, that actually is an interesting opportunity for the industry that if we can crack this and we can get this right, then actually publishers should see more value because the, the reason for users to turn to ad blockers simply goes away. It makes sense. So let's, let's talk about, I think it would be interesting to know if I was going to consider Xander or if I was going to consider a to end platform like you guys, like what's, what would be the process for that shift to happen? How can you re- reduce that friction to move from third party to something like Xander, yeah, not waiting for two years to happen, basically? One of the, the key benefits that Xander has is um, reasonably uniquely, we operate on, across both the buy and the sell side. So, you know, we've got the the second largest ad exchange, um, second to second to Google, and we've also got a DSP that's being used by all of the leading agencies and, and advertisers. And and it's the ability for us to operate on both sides that I think is going to become increasingly important, uh, especially as the third party cookie kind of goes away. I spoke about some of the tools that we're building to allow publishers to provide their own identifier and make their first party data available. And the thing is, we've got these trusted relationships with publishers already. So they're, you know, a lot of the publishers are using our ad service, so they've built their entire business on us. So they feel comfortable with sharing what is now their most valuable asset which is identity and those identifiers and their data, they feel comfortable putting that onto our platform. And then on the buy side, what that means is we can, in a, because we have a single platform with a single identity store, we're able to pass that data directly through 
to the buy side. And for me, that feels really privacy safe, right? What we're not doing is broadcasting things out. We're, we're, we're keeping things within the platform. And so I think the, the benefits of having a single platform really do speak to some of the, um, the changes that are taking place in the industry at the moment. Just a little bit more specific to that question as well. I'm just curious, like if someone was going to switch off, is it just simply signing up with you guys and then just over time migrating the, the tech stack to just not rely on the third party? Is that because you've got the ad exchange? Is that simple as that? Or like for publishers who haven't done this before, what do they have to consider? Yeah, so on the publisher side, Zander has uh, two or three main products. So the first is a publisher ad server. That's going to be basically the tags that they're putting down on the page uh, and the, the piece of technology that makes the final decision. It's kind of like the, the brain um, behind what ad should be served and, and like, should it be a programmatic ad? Should it be a direct ad? What size should that ad be? Should it be video? All that kind of stuff is controlled by the ad server. So we, we operate a, a publisher ad server and... Uh, frankly, the the process, depending on your size, but the, the process of changing publisher ad servers, you know, that's a, a, a large project. If you're a big scaled publisher, that can be maybe even three months project um, because we are talking about quite a significant change. The other product that we have is the SSP, um, so the sort of ad exchange. And this can plug into a publisher's ad server via pre-bid. So maybe if I was a, a smaller publisher and I wanted to start working with Xander, this would be the path I go down. So um, the majority of the publishers that we work with today, they have some sort of header bidding wrapper. Usually that's pre-bid, but there are um, other ones that are, are still sort of in use today. Uh, and that's, in my opinion, the easiest way of a publisher integrating with Zander to be able to get our demand. So the way that would work is we, we set them up with an account. So they've got a, a seat on our platform that they're able to log into. Then they would need to build all of their their placements and their inventory hierarchy and set their business rules around what kinds of ads that they were willing to accept. Um, and then we can have that conversation around, okay, these are the different ways that you can have an identifier. These are the different ways you can pass identity or build first party audience segments in our platform. And then they would need to add us to their header bidding wrapper um, by installing our adapter. And then they're good to go. They're able to benefit from the demand that we're able to bring them from the from the buy side and to benefit from our um, identity solutions that we're building. I appreciate the process. Sometimes people underestimate or overestimate the process involved for this to happen. So no, thank you sure. for that. Considering along those lines on the process and running this platform as well, would you be able to share one case study where you've seen recently that has made a big impact in switching over to your platform and how that's also contributed in developing first-party data solutions for that publisher, if that's possible. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. There's, there's so much going on and I'm seeing so much innovation in, in different markets. But I guess the, the one I'd, I'd be most excited to talk about is the publisher platform um, that is built on Zander technology in the Danish market. So essentially, the, the Danish market's interesting because they have, in my opinion, the most strict reading of GDPR. So that, that's the, the first thing that's interesting about the, the Danish market. The, the second thing is they have a high propensity of users that use Safari. Um, so this is, you know, we talked a bit about the, the problem with Safari being present today and a, and a big problem. So it's, it's hitting the Danish publishers um, really hard. And then third, they have quite a mature market for in-housing. So by that, what I mean is brands are starting to move away from using an agency and actually starting to run their advertising in-house. And a trend that was noticed is when advertisers do that, 
sometimes they can find using a, a, a DSP, especially when they're new, you know, so they're, they're in-housing, they're bringing their budgets in-house for the first time. And they can find that using a, a DSP and needing to have traders can be technologically challenging. It can be quite a big, steep learning curve. And, and actually, rather than go on that journey and, and go on that steep learning curve, it's a lot easier just to put your money into uh, a tool like Facebook, where mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot easier to work with. So, so these was the the kind of challenges that were facing the the Danish market. What they did, and, and I really love this because it's a great example of collaboration. So the the publishers came together to build a product that's called the the publisher platform. So essentially, what this is is it's a product that speaks to those sort of three market dynamics that I, I just spoke through. And it's built on Zana technology. So essentially what they did was they, they're they bringing their inventory into one unified way of buying. And then they've built using, uh, basically on top of the Zander uh, DSP API, they've built essentially their own workflow. So uh, a really simplified solution, whereby rather than needing a trader who has to go on a training course to understand how to buy programmatic inventory it's a little bit more like you know when you buy from a, a regular e-commerce site and you you know exactly what you where to click and and and, and just how to um how to buy that inventory in a, in a much more simplified workflow so in that way they can speak to marketers that have in-housed um the second thing is they have moved away from any type of third-party data uh, and instead embraced contextual targeting But what makes it really interesting is that they have a single definition of an audience across all of the leading publishers in that coalition. So why that's interesting to me is it creates huge scale, right? So if I'm a buyer and I want to go after an auto intender audience, what's helpful is if there's a unified definition across the entire market of what an auto intender is. What I don't want to have to deal with is going to one publisher and they say, oh, for us, an auto intender is someone that has visited the car section of our our site. And then I go to another website and they say, for us, an auto intender is someone that has searched five times for a new car in the last month. Um, So if you have different definitions of an audience, what you do is you create fragmentation. And what the publisher platform was able to do was to actually have a unified definition of what each audience is and bring that to like really make it really easy for buyers to target the audience that they want. And all of this without any uh, third party data. So they made it super transparent, super easy for a buyer to understand the money that goes into the platform all of that money goes on media, all of that money uh, buys advertising for the buyer. So in that way, they're not worried about, okay, are there hidden fees? How much of my money is actually going to be going to the the publisher and that type of thing? It's just a much easier environment for the the buyer to be able to to buy inventory. So for me, that's a really cool example. It shows collaboration, it shows alternatives to the third party cookie. And importantly, it shows how you can create scale and scale so big that actually you can go toe to toe with the likes of Facebook. You actually, there are some questions that I had. I was going to ask you as soon as you you finished that. You addressed particularly with transparency on the pricing and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I think definitely more of those things excite me as well because it allows publishers. We've seen that trend as well on SVDP with publisher alliances really being a big factor and multiple publishers coming together to create products. Maybe you don't have enough of this transparency. Maybe it's more of a commercial thing. But what's the best way to be able to attribute who gets the lion's share of everything that's not sort of what the client spends or the publisher spends on the platform? 
I think it's case by case. So what's interesting about the publisher platform in Denmark is they're not using uh, any of the publisher data. So there's not really a situation where you're taking data from one publisher and you're overlaying it onto inventory from another publisher. So that avoids some of the complexity. And actually, I spoke about how in the Danish market, they have a very uh, strict reading of GDPR. That, mm-hmm. that actually would be possible. So in that way, they've kind of avoided one of the, the challenges that you see. But I, I have seen other coalitions um, that I've worked with where they are doing that and they are able to take data from one publisher and overlay it onto the other. And they, they just they have to figure out business rules. And this makes it challenging. I think one of the key things when you're building a coalition is you need to invest in, in the governance. You need to invest time and energy into thinking about, you know, how are we going to solve problems like that? How are we going to do this in a way? Because what's interesting to note is in the past, some of these publishers would have been cutthroat competitors. You know, we're talking about some really old businesses. I've seen it in the UK as well, uh, a coalition of publishers that typically they've you know seen each other as, as competitors and now they're coming together to collaborate. So you need to put a lot of thought into what does that look like? How much data sharing is available? And, and what are those pricing mechanics going to, going to be but if you get it right i think the the reward is worth it because like i said creating that scale that makes you large enough to go toe to toe with the likes of facebook and google i think makes it a very interesting proposition for the buy side so it is worth having those kind of those conversations i think yeah the reason why i also wanted to ask you that as well because one of the main things that information that was shared about the new platform release was about how much of the benefit will also come with from a tv like media publishers or media companies that have both different channels like TV versus direct and how does that all work together are they overlaying data with each other are they sort of if they're bridging it like how has that worked so far with using Xander in trying to overlay everything together create a good framework yeah, so this is this is actually a world that I've been really immersed in and sort of trying to get my head around as Zander moves from a, you know, publishing, like a, a sort of digital publishing business to much more of a, a broadcast and sort of TV and video centric business. I would say that it's, what's interesting is different markets are at very different stages of maturity when it comes to the convergence of linear and digital. So there's certain things that you can do in the States that you just can't do in EMEA because the, the technology is different. But I think what we are seeing in, especially in EMEA, is what a move towards omnichannel. So buyers are looking for a buying tool, a DSP, where they're able to buy video, they're able to buy audio, they're able to buy traditional display, uh, and potentially even out of home and any new emerging formats that are coming all from one tool and to have holistic reporting what we're seeing, I think, is more and more broadcasters are starting to to get involved in the digital, in, in the programmatic world. They're starting to see the benefits of the application of data, of automation to the way that they sell. And they're starting to see that there is demand forming um, for to, to buy their inventory programmatically rather than in the more traditional ways. But like I said, I think the the states are much more ahead of us in this but the direction of travel is clear that we are moving to much more of a converged world in terms of measurement as well i guess uh, has that convergence because there's always been the problem as well with uh, with convergence of omnichannel with uh, tracking and measurement do you feel like now we're at a better place where we can better track everything or where do you think from a measurement point of view things stand 
yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think these are the kinds of conversations that we're having now, right? These are the, the kinds of conversations that we're having with broadcasters and really thinking through what does uh, converge measurement in a programmatic world look like? And we've got a lot of experience here, right? Because Zander has a, a product called Yield Analytics, which is essentially a, a measurement tool. So what it does is it's able to ingest uh, log file data and then use that log file data to show advanced analytics and reporting, and then also use that to generate forecasts. Uh, and this, I think, is going to be really exciting because as we move to a con converged world, you also need converged analytics and, and converged measurements uh, and the ability to accurately forecast based on many different inputs that we have in the video space. So that's one of the products that I'm most excited about at the moment is how we can bring um, the power of yield analytics to the, the broadcast converged market. The, the definition of convergence has definitely changed in the past decade as well. Like, typically it was mostly online to offline or online like to mobile to desktop. Like, What do you see the definition of convergence today and can it change over to in the future? Because I've heard this for a long time, omni-channel, a lot of those phrases and terminologies, but we're sort of still stuck in this similar situation as technology is advancing a lot quicker than we're trying to measure that. How, how yep. do you think, you know, what, what do you think on, on this point? Yeah, I mean, it's something I've grappled with and I, it just, it, it's part of our industry, isn't it? There's so many terms that I could speak to. Rich media, what does rich media mean? And, and the definition of it has changed so much since I've been involved in this industry. And it's, we, we do this a lot. I think we kind of develop these buzzwords and, and, and throw them around and you, you see them on every single deck and it, they mean different things to different people. And that, that can make um, operating in this industry painful sometimes because you have to spend a lot of time just aligning on definitions before you can have um, a meaningful conversation. Um, and I think the, the things you mentioned, yeah, definitely. So there are different permutations of convergence. One of them is what I kind of previously mentioned of omnichannel, and that's the idea of using one tool to be able to buy lots and lots of different types of inventory. When we talk about convergence, and especially when my American counterparts talk about convergence, what they're talking about is specifically how video is bought. And it's the way of taking uh, linear TV uh, and the way that's bought and taking digital TV and, and programmatic in the way that's bought and combining those. And it's the, these two worlds that are starting to come together. And, and for us, especially in the States, when we talk about convergence, that's specifically what we're talking about. Do you think that that's going to change anytime soon, the definition, based on what you're seeing the landscape is? I think what will happen, though, is that the technology will continue to develop to allow us to achieve that converged world. And I think we'll see changes at, at, at agencies and amongst buyers. They start to consolidate and start to think through how does it make sense that we buy this media in the converged world? You know, what team at the agency should be doing the buying? I think those types of conversations are where their evolution is going to come from. I know we touched a bit about this, uh, particularly as we spoke about data-driven linear and TV, um, that you're in the midst of that quite a bit at the moment. What's sort of exciting you at the moment? Now that even with the, the pushback of third party, what's sort of your focus and what's exciting you at the moment? One of the, the projects that I'm most excited about at the moment is working with some of the largest publishers that we have and thinking through how can we make that data available to buyers in the most seamless way. So typically in today's world, when we, we think about publishers making their first party data available to a buyer, the way that looks is an inventory plus data deal. Um, so they're basically take, making a package 
of their data and of their inventory and they're packaging that up as a deal ID and then the buyer puts that deal ID into their DSP and in that way they're able to buy the publisher's first party audience and their inventory. And, and up until now that way of working has worked really well but if we sort of fast forward into a, a cookie-less future which might be a little bit further away than we, than we might have thought this time last week but if we go to that, I, I think the thesis is, and my thinking is, that first-party data, the publisher's data, is going to become much more valuable because third-party data will be gone. So it'll be much harder to work with third-party data or it simply won't exist. And what that means is first-party data will become the dominant way of buying. So we need much more efficient ways of being able to target. Buyers need much more efficient ways to be able to target that publisher's in, inventory and audiences to, to actually consume that first-party data. And actually, deals might not be the best way to do that, because the problem with a deal is, firstly, buyer needs to wait for the seller to actually build that deal, to press the buttons, to generate that deal ID. And that means the publisher needs to potentially have more staff to build those deals, which is something that they want to avoid. We want to create automation. We don't want to create more workload. The second thing is, it's hard to optimize within a deal, because the buyer only sees the deal as one unified targeting object what they can't do is see the different audiences within that deal and optimize to the individual audiences so for example a buyer might say to a publisher i've got a campaign for uh, an electric car so i want your auto intender audience and i want your environmentalist audience so the publisher packages those up into a deal id and the buyer targets that deal now the buyer thinks okay which audience is doing better am i getting more success from my auto intenders or am I getting more success from the environmentalists they can't actually report in that way because they can only report on the deal object so these are some of the problems that when I've been talking to buyers and when I've been talking to publishers that have come to the fore because of the way first party data is currently made available to buyers so what I'm working on and it's a project just internally we've called it project Gutenberg but I'm, I'm really excited about it because the idea is getting publishers data and making it available to buyers in an a la carte way so the buyer will just see in a data marketplace, they'll see all of the different first party audience segments that that publisher has. They'll see the price of those segments very transparently, and they'll be able to select the segments they want. So this my, my sort of imaginary buyer could select an auto intender audience, and they could also select uh, the environmentalist audience. They could forecast on the availability of, of users within those audiences, how much inventory is available, what price points it's going to be available at. They can start their campaign and then they can pull reports mid-flight to see which segment's performing better and then they can optimize accordingly. So it's, it's moving away from deals to much more of a, an a la carte way for traders to pick the segments that they want to work with. Um, I previously spoke about some of the benefits of being a single platform. Well, this is exactly it, right? So this is one of the real benefits of, of Xander is that I can build cool things like this because we do have a straight line directly from the publisher and their ad server right through to the trader who's uh, thinking about the best way to, to get their campaign to be successful. I guess that applies into a lot of the recent content that Xander has been publishing about educating our agencies and publishers around supply strategies, I'm assuming. Yeah, that, that's another interesting thing that we're doing. So another thing that I spoke about earlier is the, the sort of the problem of, of fragmentation. So if we think about first party data, I spoke about how that first party data only works in the first party context. Yeah. So potentially what that means is a buyer now has to go to every single publisher and say, what does your data proposition look like? And then they now need to, to think through, okay, we've got lots of different publisher conversations on the go. 
and also we've got lots of different identity strategies we've got industry ids we've got contextual we've got modeled solutions there's all these different ways of thinking and one of the risks is you suddenly overload the trader you give the trader way too many things to think about way too many variables and rather than having a very structured scientific approach to these things you just have a sort of chaotic fragmented uh, approach where traders are using different data strategies rather than it being in a, in a very kind of unified way they're just sort of picking things out of the air one of the ways that we're solving for this is through our uh, curated marketplaces product so the idea here is let's say i'm at an agency so what agencies are increasingly doing is, is having this um, role of a, a supply manager and an inventory manager so it's someone that actually solves for those problems so the inventory manager will build relationships with publishers they'll deeply understand what inventory a publisher has and how they make that inventory available what audiences they have and how they make those audiences available and they'll start to think through okay what are the different uh, identity solutions available and what use cases map to what different solutions so rather than it all being chaotic and fragmented and happening in lots of different places it's happening centrally within this inventory manager role so what the zander curated marketplaces product does is it essentially gives that inventory manager a home a place for them to live where they can um, have those relationships with publishers and execute against them by building out business rules and by packaging up publishers inventory and making it available to the traders so an example of this might look like really simple example let's say i just want uh, sports inventory and sports users because you know it's coming up to the euros so let, let's uh, let's try and package up some some sports users well what the inventory manager can do is they can combine all of the audiences from different publishers all of the first party audiences says so we're not doing cross-domain tracking we're still taking first party audiences but we can package them up into a multi-seller deal and push that into the the buy side for trading so then instead of the trader having to think about all those different publisher relationships, all they have is one single deal ID that they target in their DSP. And in that way, they're able to, to buy sports audiences at scale. Based on that, let's retrospect a bit. And if there's one thing people listening to this podcast today, you want them to get out of, what, what's that one thing you want them to consider to get started on this journey? I think I'd say especially based on the, the Google announcement that we're going to have, a I think, a two-year extension to... To cookies i think don't get sidetracked by that that that's what i'd urge people don't think okay i've got two years to figure this out so i'll worry about it um you know in six months time and i understand why people think that way you know engineering resources product resources development resources is scarce it's, it's hard to come by and prioritization is is really important and if you're thinking to yourself well this thing has suddenly given me a two-year extension so i don't need to worry about it today Actually, I think that's a, a mistake and, and the wrong way of thinking. So what I would urge people listening to this to do is be grateful that we've got the extension, but don't take your foot off the pedal. So what does that look like? Well, on the buy side, for me, that looks like testing. It looks like building a very structured test plan that allows you to test different technologies, different solutions, and pass or fail them quickly. Like, so test them, do they hit your KPIs? If they do, pass them and roll them out at scale and, and have a, a templated way of doing that. If it doesn't work for you, fail quickly and move on to the next one uh, and do that in a structured uh, and templated um, and scalable way. I think that's really important for buyers. And for publishers, the most important thing is to have a coherent identity strategy. 
So think through what does the identity strategy look like? Often that's going to be which industry identifies, if any, does it make sense for you to work with? Think through what first party data do we have and how can we increase that? If you have a, the option for users to log in, how are you going to increase those logins? How are you tracking those logins and how are you making progress towards having more users logging in? And are you thinking through first party cookies and first party data strategies um, because your data is going to become increasingly valuable and sorry just one last thing i think it's very important that publishers do a better job in making sure that their users understand how their data is going to be used because i think actually if you explain to a user exactly how their data is going to be used in what ways it's anonymized in what way they're being targeted they feel a lot more comfortable with that Whereas when you're just told, if you don't know how your data is going to be used, your natural reaction is to not want to give it up. So you're not going to give consent. But actually, if you know that your, your choices are going to be respected and you deeply understand what those choices mean, then you're going to be much more likely to be willing to give consent for your data to be used. So I think that conversation is super important and publishers should be having that conversation with their users. Debs, you made the, the actionable. So thank you. What would you advice would you give to other people to, to remain successful in the ad tech industry and you know to be you know, particularly engineer or solutions-focused professional in ad tech, what, what would be your advice to, to remain at the forefront and be successful? I think it's embrace change. And this is something I'm, I'm always telling my team, is that at times like this, when there's disruption, there's always winners and losers, right? So when a big change happens, it doesn't matter where that change happens. It could be, you know, there's winners and losers because of the pandemic. There's going to be winners and losers because of identity. Um, so whenever there's big change, there's there's disruption. People come out on top and, and, and people come out on the bottom. And for me, it's embracing that. And rather than feeling overwhelmed and feeling like there's it's hard to keep up with the pace of change, it's much more embracing that and positioning yourself so that when the pieces do land, and you know the, the dust does settle you're one of those winners uh, and you're well positioned to be one of those winners and i think the way you do that is through embracing change embracing the fact that this industry doesn't stand still it's always going to be pushing forward it's always going to be doing new things some of them will work some of them won't but position yourself as a as, as someone that's going to come out on the right side of this when when the dust does settle and with that i appreciate the chat and thank you for your time now it's been really fun thank you i really enjoyed it Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.